Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix 110th film. This is becoming a mouthful. I don't know, we might need to drop the, <laughs> the, the, the numbering. This is the, the 2018 romantic comedy, Napoli Ever After. It's directed by Haifa El Mansour. It stars Sana Lathan, Ernie Hudson, Larik Bent, Lynn Whitfield, Ricky Whittle, and Camille Guasuayo. That's horrible, but I'm Jesse and I'm here with MJ. How, how are you? I'm good. You were actually really nailing them. Uh, I was very impressed with your pronunciation for, for everything and you just let it slip a little bit at the end. I did, yeah. Uh, I think I was like so proud of myself and I got to the last one. I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, the bed. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we obviously have this, uh, this film that we're going to discuss today in, in the podcast. So we, we do start our show with our little quick summary called our Fast Flicks for this one. So MJ, start us off with uh, your Fast Flicks for Napoli Ever After. All right, so we've got a, a damaged yet financially successful 20-something ad guru must strip back years of atrocious parenting based on appearance and perfection to focus on herself and what makes her happy, starting with her hair. Oh, that's nice. I like that. That was really cute. <laughs> it's much nicer than it was meant to sound, to be honest. I, nice. I wrote it down and then never read it out loud. It is nice. It wasn't supposed to sound that nice. No, it, sounded, it was really cute. I liked that. Um, I've just said... When an expected proposal doesn't eventuate, Violet goes on a journey of self-discovery to discover what really defines her. Bang. Left it very open. But I think um, your mention of hair probably is something that we need to, we need to discuss <laughs> because uh, this, this one's going to cover a lot, of, a lot of things about hair and we're probably going to spoil, go into spoiler territory quite a bit with this one um, quite early. So mm -hmm. if you did want to see this film, um, this is your chance to pause us and, and go back and, and check it out. So... Let's get into spoilers <laughs> with our history yeah. or understanding of the film. So I'm looking forward to hearing, because I think this one has got quite a good uh, little backstory. Um, it, has, it has a backstory that's a little bit different to others. Um, whether it's that exciting is, <laughs> you know, left, to, left, to be, uh, left to be said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's um, Napoli Ever After, based on a book uh, by the exact same title, written by Trisha R. Thomas. I think she wrote it. Uh, in the year 2000 and I also think there's been eight or so books off the back of it so obviously there's a bit of success in this for, for young Trisha um, but this adaptation was previously in development with Universal back in 2003 2003 it's a long long time ago um, they actually had Halle Berry on board to star in the film, which makes me think that would have been like peak Halle Berry time as well. So mm -hmm. could you imagine if Universal was bringing out this romantic comedy in 2003 with Halle Berry back when romantic comedies were absolute blockbusters in cinemas, it would have been very, very interesting. So that's all well and good because none of that actually eventuated as you probably know. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't until 2017 that um, Netflix decided they were going to give this, this adaptation a crack. Um, and in September of that year, they basically began principal photography uh, that was happening all in Atlanta. As you can probably tell when you watch the film, very heavy uh, Atlanta references in it. Um, and it was basically released a year later uh, on, on Netflix. Um, you know, it's very interesting, Jesse. Today is the 21st of September. And this film came out on the 21st of September in 2018. So two years of the day from us recording this, obviously we'll, we'll release it in a day or two, but um, 
I thought that was very interesting. We're, so we're, we're two years behind, exactly. <laughs> that, that's an awesome pickup. Um, yeah, and I think we're, mm. as we keep moving, we're going to get further and further behind. So we could look at this benchmark <laughs> now. We're two years behind. Um, when are we ever going to get any closer? But yeah, I, I think uh, I'm enjoying this still, so that's, that's okay. <laughs> well, if Netflix stopped releasing like two films a week, we'd be sweet. But <laughs> Yes, that, that, yeah, that'd give us a, a bit of time to catch up. But at this stage, uh, yeah, it's going to take us about 10 years to get there. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, um, yeah, I, I thought um, this one was a little bit, I guess. I'm oh, sorry. Did you have any other things that you wanted to talk about, I guess? Was... Uh, not, look, the only other thing that I did pick up is that the um, Sana Lathani plays the main character, actually cut off her real hair during filmmaking, which, to be honest, like was, was pretty obvious when watching um that happened and i think if you really want to get yourself into this role and what the film's trying to say it wouldn't be a great look if you didn't actually do it to be honest yes yes i, th- I think that was um yeah good one and and the other sort of i guess uh realism in this one was there's a scene where she goes to a, a cancer support group and the the people in that group were actually all real life battlers too which i thought was a, a nice little touch um as well the, the i guess yeah leading into this one obviously you said it was based on a book and I was like, I just thought it was interesting that they changed the main character's name. Um, and I always find this very interesting when you do an adaptation. Um, so still the name started with V, but um, she was called Venus instead of Violet in the book. So Clint mm. was still Clint, these sorts of characters. But I think I'm um, looking at a few of the themes and ideas in this one, that the, that idea of Venus sort of um, s- yeah. goes in with that, that idea of strong females and things like that. So yeah, I, I, yeah, guess, yeah. I guess it's a, it's a, a, a creative choice that people made when they, they, put this to film but um i think that name still could have worked um in the in the film as well yeah absolutely um what else so i guess with this one i the word napoli i was like i needed to look it up because i was i was like i was like this this sort of you know you have a nap like a nana nap or you have a snooze but it's obviously a, a word to do with hair and it's, it's this um tightly curled or coiled hair that's often offensive and I guess that's that obviously leads into this discussion of hair that we're going to have um, throughout this this film because it's it's quite a um, an interesting thing and and the tagline leads into that where the tagline is let yourself grow and it's not necessarily just about the hair but about um, what we're talking about with the characters for this one too. I guess. Um, so how common a term is Napoli? Because I did the same thing about fifteen minutes into the film. Yeah. I googled it really quickly. I didn't want to disrupt my viewing experience, so I googled it. I didn't really see anything that was like the dictionary definition pop up for me. And I didn't want to dig any further. So I just stopped. Is Napoli a bit of a, is it a common term or is it something that people just who are maybe in the beauty industry? know? I don't know. I've just, it doesn't even ring a bell for me. Yeah. I'm the same. I, I had no idea that it had anything to do with, with, yeah, with hair, but obviously once yeah. you start watching the film, you, you sort of pick up and work out that it does. And I guess they had, when they had those little title um, screens throughout the film, I think that was one of the final yep. ones. Was Napoli, so it's sort of yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I get one of my other things that I like to do at the moment is, is check out the translations oh, yes. for, for films. This one had this one had a variety of translations across the board, <laughs> um, which I thought was cool. So the bear with me because I've got a couple here, and I just thought that all of them are Please. fairly decent too. So we've got in Brazil, it was called Happiness by a Thread. So it's still got that that tie in of, of the thread of hair. Like it, in, yep. In I mean, France, France, it was called a leading woman. So pretty, um, doesn't give much away in that one. That's a pretty, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in, uh, in Germany, it was called old braids. And I, I don't even know if I actually got to see her in braids at all in this film. So that was a, 
and interesting. Oh, right. In Greece, it was just called almost with an exclamation mark. <laughs> uh, in Hungary, Hungary, it was called let's cut into it with an exclamation mark. So that, that was um, yep. obviously too like hair. It. Italy, it was called cut it out, which obviously again with hair. Yep, all out. Jap- Japanese, I want to forget the fairy tale. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not uh, terrible, actually. Uh, so in, in Poland, it was called Seize Life by the Hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's bad. In Vietnam, it was called Hair Loss. And yeah, the, the final guess. one I've got was in Spain. It was called Disheveled. <laughs> just just a title. Wow. So that was a pretty, uh, they, pretty brutal title. They really went all out in making sure that it was going to be a title that would resonate with any particular culture. They didn't just go, you know what, this is called Napoli Ever After, wherever it is. If they don't get it, they don't get it. They really put the effort in because some of them weren't even like a uh, like an adaptation of Napoli Ever After. It was just like, ah, oh, I watched the film and this is what I think it should be called. Yeah, I'm super, I thought we could have been Australia. It could have been called like Fair Income Haircut or something like that, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sheila's bulb. Yeah. Uh, so that was funny um, this one was nominated for a few awards as well which uh, which they're nothing uh, too outstanding I guess but it had four nominations and a win so five all together our, our favourite features there were the, the golden trailer awards golden trailer for the, the best title credit sequence for a feature film and then a couple of others for makeup um, at the Hollywood Makeup Artist Awards and then the Image Awards and the Young Actress Awards Sorry, the Young Artist Awards, where it was nominated for Young Actress for um, Daria Johns, which is um, yep, yeah, no, good right. consensus time. What have you got for the consensus? Yeah, well, um, it was positive, really positive. It's a it's a six point four out of ten on IMDb of seven and a half thousand uh, ratings, and it's a three point three out of five on Letterboxd, so higher than IMDb, just under five thousand ratings. Um, so really, really popular. That's like, sorry, I, you know, we're not talking like amazing with critically acclaimed movie, but you know, anything, anything that we see that's over three stars, um, we probably honestly, uh, doing this, doing this podcast, looking at every single Netflix original film, we probably get one in 10 over three stars, right? Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. This is, and this is one of them. Hmm. The, Google users, this has that 95%, which is a lot higher than we've had um, recently. And the Rotten Tomatoes as well is fairly positive. The The critics had it at 71% on 14 reviews. So um, no consensus on that, but the audience had it very similar, 73% on um, about 350 reviews. So yes, very, um, very positive feedback on this one um, all round almost. Hugely popular. Yeah. Okay. Early thoughts. Give us your early thoughts for this. Yeah. Like I... I've obviously missed something because I had a lot of trouble with this and I want to preface this by saying that I probably wasn't in the best mindset whilst watching it. I was, as you know, Jesse, in the middle of a fantasy footy grand final, uh, things weren't looking too good and I was sort of keeping an eye on the stats and I also just jammed my lawnmower that, that afternoon as well before I'd done most of my backyard. So I had to take that to the shop. So my mood wasn't great, but Napoli ever after certainly didn't, provide a distraction for me or, or work me out of my funk at all. And in fact, probably for the first two thirds of it, I was actively disliking this movie. And I mean, the message is great. Like the whole idea of loving yourself for who you are and don't let others dictate the way you behave or you look. 
but that doesn't mean I ever felt connected to any of the characters or even, you know, like I just didn't know what the characters were going to do from what they did five minutes ago. It just all felt really forced and cringy. And I know it got a lot of love, but maybe people loved it because it was that potential switch your brain off and, you know, take a nice message out and maybe relate to the characters and the idea of treating yourself. But none of that felt like it was directed at me. So I, I've missed the boat on this one. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think uh, anytime we do a rom-com, that's the, I guess that can be the, if, you, if you're not in on it, you, you're going to struggle. Um, yeah. I mean, and I, I'm definitely not the, I don't know, neither of us are the target demographic uh, for this one at all. And I still, I can, I can appreciate this one and, and see how it's a pretty important film for a lot of people. And some of the, perform- like, especially the performance from um, Sana Lathan just gave this some memorable scenes for me that, uh, yeah, this was, this was a pass for me easily. So, um, but I agree. There are a few things in here that I'd like to chat about that really didn't sit well uh, throughout. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying where this, this wasn't you know really directed at us and it certainly wasn't. Um, but it felt very specifically not directed at me. Like I felt like there was this really specific audience that would have loved it. And, and I wasn't in that. And I felt like I was, very much not in that. I don't know how else to say it, that I felt like I was watching someone else's piece of work that I wasn't supposed to see or something like that. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right, well, let's talk about some characters. Fill us in on, on who you'd like to talk about for the characters in this one. Let's, let's talk about Violet, um, obviously our, our main or our lead protagonist. Um, I, I found that it was just a very stereotypical arc. Um, obviously at the start, you tend to dislike her because she's shallow and she's vain and despite the fact that you do recognize that this line of thinking was forced upon her by her mother. Um, she obviously hits rock bottom. She realizes that she's going to make decisions that make her happy and things look good for a bit, but then she slips back into those old ways before this triumphant rebirth, uh, sorry, rebirth, which was literally her being christened in a pool um, where she's stronger and more independent and loves who she is more than ever. So that's fine. Very, very stereotypical, but don't have an issue with it. I, uh, my problem with her as a character was, I kind of never really got out of the whole dislike her phase um, because I just think a lot of the motivation behind her decisions didn't seem clear to me from the character that I was introduced to. I, I think I'll probably talk about this more in my scenes, but I definitely struggled to connect with the film because I struggled to connect with Violet and she was making these decisions that just didn't align with what she was doing five minutes earlier. And I, I didn't know how she got from point A to point B when I saw nothing in between that suggested that she should have got there. So that was my biggest issue because I didn't like her. She didn't really do much for me to change the way I felt about her, but then she was making these decisions that didn't seem like her. Does that even make sense? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't um, agree with you more. Like I've, I'm exactly the same. Like I hated her at the start and mm-hmm. I, I understand that that's what they wanted you to do. Cause they wanted you to be along on this journey, mm-hmm. but this whole idea of perfectionism and, and this preparation for this engagement day being, you know, the most important day of her life, it just it, it did not resonate with me whatsoever. And like, obviously, I'm not a girl, um, so the the stakes of these these important factors in her life were probably a little bit low for me. And like, just the way that she treated people at the start, like even in a in a film where you're going to see this growth or this change, you, you still want to see some sort of good qualities to start off with. But she treated her um, her assistant April like poorly. The you know they tried to throw in these things with 
you know, she, she blames her dad, you know, for, you know, saying that she's, she's not good enough for him still and blames the mom. And it's like everyone's, it's everyone's fault except hers. And even it, it, there was no resolution to any of those issues. It was just like, let's dump her in the pool and it's all good sort of thing. Um, so yep. yeah, I, I agree a little bit with um, what you're saying with her. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's interesting. I've got um, down next. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, go. Yeah. I'll, obviously, it, this, guy, this guy really frustrated me too because he obviously likes what Violet stands for, this, you know, this perfectionism. And uh, he, he doesn't know anything about her, just about – he just cares about her place in society and the way she looks. And that was all that I could really gather from this guy. Like, and that's meant to be the guy that she's so in love with and wants to be with. It didn't sit right. I have a different take on Clint. I yeah. look, maybe I'm being unreasonable, but he actually didn't seem like too bad a guy until the end. And it was only at the end that he became a real dick because I just think that worked better for the story. Because when they broke up uh, in the beginning, after he got to the dog and everything, his openness about how he feels with her and how she never lets herself open up, how she never takes a risk, how she's never really herself is incredible advice uh particularly in a relationship like what an what an honest way to have a discussion with your partner but then at the end and and i I get that he's with her probably for those same reasons that you said but there's there's obviously that desire for for her to come out of her shell that he's trying to get her out of her shell because he's like i don't even know you and then at the end all of a sudden like he he's only shallow he needs everything to be perfect oh and by the way you find out that he was sleeping around just in case you weren't convinced that he was a bad guy again they just they just chuck all this stuff in the story because it works for violet's character and violet's arc um but it didn't seem true to the character that i again i was introduced to and it's always been a pet peeve of mine in films uh when they do this they well this is the story so so and so's got to kill a guy something like that they just do it for the sake of doing it because it fits with plot and I just think this film was as bad as any with it. And then, yeah, Clint, when they, and I think that's another reason why I didn't like Violet as much because when they broke up, I was like, well, this guy hasn't really done much wrong. In fact, he's trying to get you out of your shell and you've just said, no, nah, I'm out of here. Uh, so I didn't have bad feelings towards Clint <laughs> really at all. Like I didn't like him, but I kind of respected the way he went about that. So that, that was probably the main catalyst for me not being able to cl- um, clutch onto this. Yeah, that. Yeah, all fair points. I, I don't know. I just didn't like him at the start either. So, but I, I get what you're saying with, you know, he was trying to do the right thing, but at the same time, I was just like, who has a party like this, and who has a, you know, who buys a dog after? Two he was years a douche. And, yeah, I, I agree with. I agree with that side of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't like him as much as I thought. When when they had that scene, I was like, this is great. What a great scene to put into a film about out honesty in a relationship and trying to empower her to be herself that she just cracked the shits and quit like come on yeah good um who, who else do you want to talk about because I, I don't know I want, the other I want to talk about Pauletta who's um yeah. Violet's mum and for what this movie is trying to say and it, and it's a message as positive as you'll see in any film Pauletta is a truly awful person um Violet's dad, who you could argue obviously could have done a bit more in the whole parenting caper, had the exact opposite philosophy to what Pauletta had. And he was, he was a breath of fresh air with his advice and perspective. But why does this villain character of Pauletta, and I, I just, I can't find a way to not think of her as a villain with the way that she 
treated her daughter and, and the ideas that she put into her head and the way even at the end she was still treating her daughter. Why do they make her get back together with this guy who I kind of liked because he was the exact opposite. In fact, I was happy for him that he got out of the toxic relationship that he had with his wife. And then all of a sudden, they're just back together with the poor. Like, why does the villain get a happy ending when she doesn't learn her lesson? Why? <laughs> I think they tried to um, blame all that away on one line at like one of the parties where they were talking about her mother and how she didn't do this with her daughter. And it was like a touchy, you know, like, just leave that. So that's why she's such a bad person. So it's not uh, her fault either. It's, no, it's, it's okay. none of the characters' fault it's that they're bad in this film. Started <laughs> higher up, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, like, I think a lot of the, the couplings at the end frustrated and probably talk about this a bit further but yeah the the dad i yeah i thought he was um it was a bit of fresh air um i liked a couple of his lines and a couple of the moments that he had so that it was nice to um to see to see yeah that he was still in and around even though um he didn't you know obviously didn't want to pretend i don't know if he was pretending but he he was making it out that he didn't necessarily want to be there um he was stunted as well by the wife, yeah. clearly. Like, yeah, he had really good ideas and philosophies about parenting that he obviously didn't put into practice. And you just assume this because Pauletta took over and said, no, no, this is how we're raising my girl because this is how she's going to find the perfect man. Yeah. Uh, all right. Will and Zoe, I put them together almost um, just as... I thought she was a, that the performance from um, the kid that played Zoe was really good. I enjoyed seeing her around, but this whole Will character completely confused me as, as well as another character that I just... I thought he was this breath of fresh air that helped her realize lots of things in her life. And I, I, this, this goes into the scenes a lot because a lot of the scenes with him just opened these doors or like did things that I was like, what the hell? How does that, how is that a response? Like some of his responses to some of the situations were just, um, yeah, ridiculous. So I, I found him really hard, even though I wanted her to be with him. I found, I, I found that his decision-making really poor. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's a really likable guy. Like I, I, automatically liked him's character uh like you said he probably was that breath of fresh air but i mean he was obviously the embodiment of what the story was trying to tell because you've got this man who challenges gender roles by the fact that he is a single father who's a hairdresser he listens to himself and how he feels and if someone doesn't fit in with those ideals well, he doesn't have time for them um yeah with that said obviously probably could have been a more attentive father i don't think he was a great parent um but I guess the fact that he isn't perfect is kind of appealing too. But um, if he wasn't in this film, I don't even know if I would have got through it, to be honest. <laughs> like I needed him because he was something. Like, maybe he was a, it was a bit weird where it all fit, but at least he was a good guy that I could attach myself to. Yep. Good. All right. Uh, I think that's it for the characters. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, the director, I th- this is an interesting, what have, what have you got for the director on this one? Yeah, so it's uh, Haifa Al-Monster. Um, well, she's Saudi Arabia's first ever female director or filmmaker, however you want to put it. Like, it's an incredible feat and probably a really interesting story that she's going to be able to tell one day. But her first, she's done, obviously, a few docos and, and shorts, but her first feature film, which was Mary Shelley, um, starring Elle Fanning, actually got her a nomination at the Edinburgh Film Festival. So she's done a couple more features including this and since, and she's got one in, in production at the moment. So going to be a very interesting little career that she's carving out and, and you know, what a, what a trailbla- trailblazer. Yeah. I think like the docos, I think um, were put up for the uh, foreign language at the Academy Awards, but didn't get the, the nomination or whatever it was. 
But I thought, yeah, interesting right. little little story too. That yeah, she completed her film um, studies degree in Australia, um, in Sydney, which, oh, is, right. which is a cool little story. And yeah, like a, a, a really interesting career that I probably wouldn't mind checking out a little bit more to like got a little bit of criticism here and there for um, the, the focus that she has on women's rights and issues because Saudi Arabia is, is obviously in this transitional sort of stage with, um, with what, um, yeah, the, the female gender can and can't do in their society. So um, yeah, really, really intriguing career I'm sure is ahead of her. Yeah, absolutely. And if she studied in Australia, I'm surprised we haven't claimed her as our own yet. We're very good at that. <laughs> we are, aren't we? We sure are. All right. <laughs> scene time. Give us some uh, scenes that you enjoyed in this one. Yeah, look, as you know, I had a lot of trouble with this film in general um, to the point where the first scene that I liked was just nothing to do with the scene, but the park that they went to on their date was just a beautiful park. And, you know, you got to give credit to the location scout for fighting it and putting it in the movie because it, it made me happy. I quite enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it was a beautiful park. It was a really nice park. Um, and the, then the most, the most random waterfall of like sort of mermaid yeah, space. Was, <laughs> very pretty though. Yeah. Um, and I, I, and then the, the only other scenes that I did like uh, right at the end, I, I really enjoyed when Violet told her mum off, which was, you know, that's the, that's the slam dunk shot in a movie like this, where you're leading up to this kind of angst and it's going to come out. But I was, it was, it was good to see it, but it was also nice to see in the background her dad was smiling when he was when she was doing it. That's why it pissed me off even more that they got together in the pool. But um, and the other thing that I did like was that she didn't have this big public breakup with Clint, and there wasn't this big reconciliation moment with Will. It was it was not about the relationships as much as it was about her and her self-discovery and her doing what she wants to do. And I appreciated that. It would have been very easy to at least have like a, a kiss with Will at the end or, you know, going to dinner and like it, it left it very open. And even though you sort of assume that you know, there's going to be that connection there and they probably will get together. It didn't, didn't matter. Didn't need it. And, and that was important too. I really like that you've said that because the whole time after, I, I just assume she still stayed with Clint. <laughs> ah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I could, you saw his disappointed face of her in the water and mm. all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, she's not going to, <laughs> I just, I just assume she's not going to um, grow that much and she's still going to stay with him because um, she's going to make it work. I don't know. I, wow. Yeah. But now you've said that, I'm like, hey, that makes more sense than, but yeah, I literally thought I was like, oh, she's still with Clint because I, I, why, otherwise, why is she not with Will? Yeah. Yeah. Look, doesn't mean I'm right, but it, my take was that she's, before obviously things went when it was so um you know just the visual of him not being in the pool when half the party's in the pool looking dejected she kind of looks at him and is like you know what nah she turns around and has has fun and you sort of see there's the disconnect between these two they've realized that it's not gonna they're not on the same page and rather than her just running to another guy it was like well i'm gonna sort my life out and do what's important to me before i figure that all out but that's that's just my read on it i actually didn't, didn't even consider any other any other way no, I like I like your read a lot better. I'm just I feel stupid because I was like, oh, she's she just stayed with him. Like I was just like, based on everything else, she's just gonna stay with him. No, that's good. Uh, <laughs> All right, my turn for some scenes. Uh, I I thought as much as I didn't like the the the, the birthday party with the the dog giving, I thought after um, um, Clint had left and she's crying and the dog just pissed on the floor, I, I, I laughed. I thought that was quite, I was like, haha, that's funny. <laughs> and <laughs> 
I thought the I thought the buzz cut scene in the mirror was was actually a really good um, really good piece of, of filmmaking and I know that it's probably really obvious and in your face but I thought it was a, a, a really well done scene to you know the emotion in her face and and just the ability you know to to take on that take on board and you know I think they said she practiced with a week the days before with like you know doing the shaves and stuff like that yeah right just to actually see it on screen doing her own hair I thought that was cool um, I wanted to like that because you could tell like this was this was the the scene of the film the big powerful moment of of her coming to and. I, I think I just wasn't, I wasn't enough into the character to care. Even though you knew it was going to come because the, the, the key art is her with a bald head, but um, didn't, it didn't quite, it didn't, I didn't dislike it, but it just didn't quite get me, which I'm sure it would have got tons and tons of people because it was important. Yep. Uh, there was this line that I just really appreciated where she said, uh, Violet said, so she was so used to looking at herself in the mirror all the time. It's only when um, she catches somebody's reaction that it all comes back. And I just really thought that was a, a nice little moment that, you know, she's slowly starting to, to move away from these, these, these ideals or values that everything's about looks and, and way things mm. um, appear. And, and finally, like just in the, the complete opposite that her father is happy to, to be in this, you know, underwear catalog and, and Love he doesn't it. care what, you know, everyone else is laughing at it or whatever. And, and he doesn't care. He's like, look at this. And, I think the mum called him like a geriatric porn star or something like that. Mm. I just thought that that was really nice that, you know, they're even sitting there having a meal and there's a big billboard of it behind them. <laughs> he's, he's confident in who he is. It doesn't matter. Um, so I thought that was yeah. cool. the complete opposite, obviously of um, these, these artificial ideas that you need all these nice things to make yourself a good person. Yeah, you're right. right. What are some things that you didn't like? Uh, there's a bit here. So just bear with me. Um, a lot of it again is in the first half of the film where I was just yeah, bothered by so much of it, but her getting sprayed by that hose, that whole, that whole sort of sequence felt like a cartoon that, Oh, well, is it going to rain? Oh no, it's not going to rain. Oh, okay. We can go outside and everything's going to be okay. Oh, they're playing with the hose. Oh, I love playing with the hose. Well, obviously you're going to get sprayed by the hose. Like it's just not going to happen in real life. Like, they try and make so many, so much of this movie based in real life. And then they make, they start it with that. So I've got this real cartoony kind of feel, which is fine, but it's not the tone of the film. Um, and <laughs> this gets me. So yeah, my most hated scene was that scene I spoke about before when they had the fight and broke up, but the idea of her thinking, and this obviously is a very male perspective and, and people would probably completely disagree with me because I've not, being out of being the other side of the shoe, but the idea of her thinking that he won't ever propose to her because he bought her a dog is ridiculous. A dog is an incredible commitment to, to make to a, to a relationship. And the fact that she gets a dog, uh, fair enough if she wanted to get proposed to when she's upset, but for her to put two and two together and think, Oh, he's never going to propose to me. It's like, Oh, so he just wants to give you a dog and leave. Like that's, that's insanity. But obviously that led into what I, I loved his his honesty about how she needs to open herself up and be herself. This is the advice that she somehow finds at some point throughout the film that he gave to her at the very start. But rather than realizing how right he is, she basically just says, so you're never going to marry me and breaks up with him, which just felt like the pettiest, most pathetic thing ever. And and, I, and she lost me from that point. Um, it's, it's, it's sticking with me, this scene. Um, and then that leads to her being in that little bit of a funk and, and they have a scene where she's presenting in the boardroom and she knocks over one of the boards. Like, come on, like 
fair enough if you might not be on your game, but I'm not that much of an idiot that you need to tell me, oh, you know, she's in a funk. Oh, you didn't realize, okay, we'll make her knock over a board because she's that much of a funk. Like, no, I don't don't like being treated like an idiot. And that's why I don't like the fact that her mum fainted when she saw her (laughs) with a shaved head. I mean, give me a break. Like, again, the, the tone of the film is just chopping and changing with this cartoony type feel to what's a serious, really nice message. Um, slightly different take here, but I, I, I didn't dislike this, but I also don't know how I feel about a cancer recovery group, giving her the confidence to own it. I, I don't know how well that sat with me and I'm not going to be hypercritical of it, but watching it, it felt a bit off to me. Um, but it's, it's not a terrible thing. I just, it just didn't, it just felt a bit weird. And the only other thing that I didn't like was when he was clearly chopping up an onion and then he was clearly crying from the onion. This is a guy who just doesn't cry. And she's like, don't cry. And he's like, no, this is the onion. Like, ugh. But then, of course, he proposes in that exact same scene. But this is what I mean while I was actively disliking this movie. There's often movies that I don't like that I sit there and go, oh, man, this is, this is slow or this is boring or I'm not in this film. Things are happening on the screen where I think that the filmmakers thought I was an idiot or they were... Oh, or they were just on a completely different page to what I thought they were trying to do and it didn't work. So that's, that's my read. I thoroughly enjoyed your little rant. That gave me a good <laughs> smile. I had a good giggle. I had a good laugh. Uh, and I, I think I, I think I, I, I completely understand. And I, I have a, I have a hunch that it's the, the genre and the style of film. And this is, this is not me trying to be racist or anything whatsoever, but the structure and the the jokes and the laughs that play, this, these are the types of codes that, and the conventions that they follow in a lot of African-American comedies. And um, mm. where we obviously, you know, that, that type of humor might not be the humor that we're used to, but this, these sorts of situations are often quite funny for people. Um, you know, if you've seen any of um, Tyler Perry's Medea um, films and, um, and um, even, like just just talking about this now, it's brought to mind. There's a um, it's like a three part short uh, doc uh, or mini series on Netflix called Self Made, and it okay. stars um, the lady from uh, uh, Hidden Figures. The uh, I can't remember her name. Oct- anyway, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, Octavia Spencer. Fantastic. Yeah, so it stars Octavia Spencer, and it is literally called Self Made, and it's about an African American lady setting up a hairstyling business, and it's a three part series oh, about. Okay the hair, the culture, the, um, you know, the importance of what hair means to um, African American women, like their, their place in society and all that sort of stuff. And all of that runs through this film so much. And I think that possibly without our background knowledge and understanding of like, I, I only barely know a tiny little bit because I've seen this self-made yeah. mini series, but without that background, there's a lot of stuff in this that doesn't work for us. I, I think that, that that could possibly be it. That's an awesome point. And that probably comes back nicely to me saying that I just felt like this movie was made for somebody else mm. and, and I was watching it and I've been asked to talk about it kind of thing. And that's, that's kind of where it's at. Like it, it, it felt, I've never felt like such an imposter watching a film than watching this film that it's just like, this is not my film. Why, why am I watching it kind of thing? And um, you probably couldn't, couldn't be more right. doesn't excuse how I feel about the character when she gets broken up with, with some great advice and doesn't take it. I don't like that kind of dummy sphere. That doesn't sit well with me, but you're absolutely right with everything else. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a couple of things that I wasn't a fan of the, 
when she's in the, the taxi with the taxi driver on the way to the hospital and he does this whole analogy of a puzzle and you know once you've uh, got yeah. the right puzzle pieces and they fit and all that sort of jazz i was like it's too early in the movie for any type of resolution of this guy to happen and and just to see you know walk <laughs> up and he's sitting there with like a nurse which it could have just been a co-worker they're having a break and then all of a sudden it's like oh you slept with her he's like yeah well i did it's like, it, did, it certainly didn't seem that bad like they were just literally like having a break together and socializing and she's like i don't even want to talk to you <laughs> that blew up um, out of control. and then the the barbecue scene really annoyed me too the I, i'm sure at some stage that violet would have told her mum, i'm bringing along my this guy oh yeah <laughs> And she rocks up and the mum's brought this guy called Jared, who's a lawyer along to try and set her up with him. And it's just this really awkward conversation where I thought Violet did a pretty good job of sort of defending Will and standing up for him and saying, you know, he's a small business right. owner, all this sort of stuff. And then out of nowhere, he Will just cracks the shits and storms off and goes, you know, I, I thought you knew what you wanted, but you don't and like leaves. And I'm like, she was pretty good in that situation. So that really... It's more the way the mum spoke about him, and and I think the mum said like, "Oh, is this the guy? That, oh, you seen this guy?" Or what? She made a point about what Violet might have said to the mum, and just didn't didn't end well. But I, yeah, that yeah, was I, yeah, that was pretty I, bad. Based on all the nice things we've seen them do together, I, I felt like they could have had a, a proper conversation where they discussed it. And she goes, "Look, this is mum. She's crazy." Blah blah blah. Rather, yeah. than <laughs> was waiting for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, I just had the end with um, who she ends up with. Cause I, in the back of my mind, I was like, <laughs> and that really annoys Fair me. Enough. For me. <laughs> but um, yeah, but you've opened my eyes a little bit and maybe, um, yeah, she's single and that would be nice. Nice story too. All yeah. right. Some themes, some ideas. What's this one saying? I look, this, this film is saying that, you know, you do you, you know, don't, don't be influenced by how you should look, how you should act, what you should do for work, do what feels right, do what makes you happy. Uh, and if you're not going to, don't peddle your own insecurities on the people that are close to you. It's, it's a really, it's, as I said, it's a really nice message. It's something that in a romantic comedy that's probably going to be aimed at, you know, I, I'd say, I want to say sort of teenage sort of girls, but I also think girls of all ages will probably connect more with this film. Um, it's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing to take out of a film. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This whole idea of, this self-growth that we saw through her, I guess, with, you know, falling in love with yourself again and, and owning yourself and being who you are and not letting negativity be something that brings you down, which leads into this whole idea of like female empowerment too, because mm. uh, it, it was nice to see she had a good job. She was still fairly, even though she has these emotional breakdowns over, you know, who she thought she was going to be married to, she's still fairly strong in her choices um, moving forward from there. And that, that idea of hair too, I, I mean, this idea of, of vanity almost, or, you know, needing makeup. And that was like the thing that she was pitching was this idea of makeup too. And, um, you know, being natural is good. And this idea that sometimes, you know, the the baggage of having straight hair for an African-American or, or a black woman is, is such a, a detrimental thing that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, that when she does go blonde and she has this idea, you know, uh, the, I think the white guy says, so, you know, having blonde hair tells me that you're not afraid of taking chances. Yeah. It's like, what does that have to do with anything realistically? It's it's just a look. It's not, nothing to do with who she is as a exactly. person. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. So what did we take from this one? What are some some ideas on this? <sighs> look, I mean, I I'll be honest. I'm I'm glad it had a modest runtime. I'm glad that I watched it as part of my streaming service. And I'll be honest, I don't plan on taking too much more out of this one. To be honest, this discussion is probably more than I've taken out of the whole film, particularly with 
the references to African Americans that, that I was that I wasn't picking up throughout the film. Good, yeah. I, I think um, although it may not have been our favorite film, I think that more of these types of films are, are quite important. And I think it's a brave step to put a film like this. And I, I don't think that this would have got a theatrical release in Australia whatsoever anyway. So it's nice that we can still access this um, on a streaming service because, you know, 15 years ago, this would never, we would never have been able to see it in Australia at all. What if it was Halle Berry? <laughs> if completely different story, obviously. <laughs> Good call. I like that. IMDb, did you jump onto IMDb to check anyone out? Yeah, I did. This is a good one because Lyric Bent, who plays Will, is Lieutenant Daniel Rigg from the Saw movies, which I, I love all the Saw movies, but I'm, I can't believe that I didn't pick this up because the only difference in his appearance is in, in Saw movies. He's got this like, little mustache and this kind of stylized goatee, but it's crazy how big a difference that makes because I was looking at photos of him from both. I'm like, oh, it's clearly the same guy, but I just wasn't picking up on it because of his little bit of facial hair. So there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I had one as well, which was a little bit, um, a little bit of a, an off-center one. So when um, Violet's pitching her deal, there's this one guy called Tyson. Um, oh, he's yeah. like the main sort of guy she's pitching to, and is is a um, an old NBA player. And I was like, I need to double check this. So um, John Sally, really? Played, yeah, he, he's got um, got four rings. He got he, got, he played oh. for Detroit. He played for Detroit like during the late '90s. Won two rings with them. Yeah. He got one, I think he played Miami, played at Toronto. He got a ring with Jordan in 96 and he got a ring with Kobe in like 2000. So um, wow. big, big NBA star. So that was um, a good little pickup. I was like, ah, I know. Has he done <laughs> any acting? Um, he was in, I think he possibly in one of the bad boys films with Will Smith. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Sure. But anyway, yeah, I was like, uh, I, was, uh, I was like, you are so familiar. So that was good. Good pickup. All right. Um, what else we got? Question time. Anything that you wanted to ask? Why Why did she invite Zoe to the engagement party? Yeah. Because she's basically just broken up with her father and it's a party about her marrying another guy. But she's like, do you want to come to my engagement party so you can wear a cool dress? <laughs> it's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I guess that uh, having her there made her revelation that, you know, Zoe would wear no shoes made more sense. But uh, that, and that, that's part of the reason I was like, I was so confused with that ending. And I literally, obviously we, we pre, pre-write our questions. So my, my question was that ending, did it work for you? I wanted her to get rid of Clint. <laughs> yeah. Well, it worked because she did. It, it, now this is like the ending ending she did. So. <laughs> uh, thank you. You've answered uh, my question for me. Uh, the chapter interludes. What did you think of those? The, the words that were sort of preluding no. what was happening? No. Oh, uh, <laughs> No, oh, maybe yeah. Sorry, that was probably it. wasn't too bad, but it didn't it didn't do much for me. But I I, I get the, the the look and feel from from basing itself on a novel. Um, it, it was okay, but it really didn't do much for me. I don't like things that spoil things for me. Like obviously, the chapter was about what the hair was going to be there, which I guess doesn't spoil too much. But um. I'm finding this with, I'm actually watching The Mandalorian at the moment, which obviously is a TV show. It's so slightly different, but they've got a chapter for every single episode and it's all well and good to name your episode something, but don't have it flash up on the screen where it says, you know, chapter four, the sanctuary where I'm like, Oh, well they're going to find a sanctuary this episode. Like I don't, I don't like that because I'm just waiting for something to happen. It, it kind of, uh, this one, sorry, wasn't too bad. I've, 
I like the men. It's just playing good, um, good homage to um, the, the Western genre, I guess, that those are the sorts of things you'd see in Western TV shows and films. I, I, I think that's our very... Sure. I, yeah, but I, I don't, yeah, maybe it's just my brain. I, I, I like to, I like to figure up. things out myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I obviously need answers because I, I needed someone to tell me that you broke up with Claire. <laughs> so that's where we're at. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we're ready to wrap this up and, and give it a rating out of five to give us a flicks from average. So MJ, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Like the movie itself, it, it did very little for me, me personally. Um, I, I couldn't connect with the main protagonist. I kind of felt like everyone's motivations were dictated by the storyline as opposed to, do any sort of living, breathing character decisions that I wanted to see. All of which was based around a really valid message that was spoon fed to the audience, basically from the opening scene. So message, great. The way you're telling it might not have been as great, but I didn't like it. This is one star for me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Based, based, based on what you said, I could yeah, probably see that, that we were going to go there. And I probably like, I, you know, I didn't, this isn't my favorite film of all time, but I still, I found a lot of uh, things in it that, you know, not necessarily for me, but I, if I imagined um, someone else enjoying it and as a film, um, you know, I still enjoyed bits and pieces of it. So I think that it's, it's probably essential viewing for, for some younger females um, about vanity and about that idea of not, not really mattering about what you look like. I think that it, and like you mentioned, it is spoon fed, but I think that, you know, some audience members would appreciate that and, and really take that message to heart and be like, hey, I, this movie really connected with me. Um, so because of the message that I took out of it and um, especially the performance um, from Violet, um, I'm, I'm giving it a three. So it'll give us, that'll give us a two out of five, which is, a, I think, probably a good little spot for it to sit. I respect I respect what you said. I think, I think, I think you're probably right. Um, I don't think that discludes the fact that there's probably films that a lot of a lot of films that do it better um yep. the same message is you know still there but um it just begs the question though if you write a film with good intentions and a good message and make a poor film does it make it a good film and that's that's kind of what i was tossing up when i was when i was thinking about this because i was reading a lot of reviews and a lot of people were sort of saying that oh man this film just what, what a great message really spoke to me oh everyone should everyone should be you know doing this and rah rah and and i get it I didn't get it personally out of, I didn't take that out of the film as, as much as I understood it on a visceral level, but um, yeah, it begs the question just because it's got a nice message doesn't mean it's a nice film. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it can like, maybe that, maybe I'm being too negative. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I can completely like everything that you said, I didn't disagree with. So I, yeah. I can see, see where you're at. All right. Well, um, we're on socials. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. Please give us a follow a like, whatever you can. Question for this week is, um, is perfection exhausting? Yeah, good one. Good question. Yeah, I think um, Yeah, surely it is. I don't know. Yeah, I'm so. so far from perfect, it's not funny, but I imagine it would be. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully uh, someone that listens is perfect and can tell us all about it. All right. Um, <laughs> we're back again next week for another show. And next week we have an action thriller, which is a bit of a switch Ooh. up from this. So I'm looking forward to this because I, I like that, um, that genre quite, quite a bit. So it's from 2018 and it's called Hold the Dark. It's directed by Jeremy Selnia. It stars Jeffrey Wright, Alexander Skarsgård, James Badge Dale, Riley Keough, Julian Black Antelope, and Beckham Crawford. So that's nice. Cool. Alexander Skarsgård, which is a, a big name. Oh, there's a couple in there. Yeah. So um, get on board for next week and we'll have a thriller if you're interested in checking that one out. 
So Skarsgård was already in a in mute that we did, and James Badge Dale was in um, Spectral. So we've got a few coming back on the Netflix bandwagon. And uh, from writing the the cast, the first few members of the cast, this was uh, written by um, Macon Blair, I think. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it's um, like this third or fourth Netflix film, whether he's written or directed, he's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty sure that was for this one. I was, yeah, saw it at the top of the page. It's like, ooh, this could be a, a, um, an interesting one. I like Make On Blair because he directed uh, I Don't Feel At Home In This World Anymore. Yeah, cool. Mm, good. So, yeah, so we've got that next week. So I'm in. Thanks, thanks for um, having a good chat about this one. And, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it was probably worth a good chat. I appreciate it because otherwise I couldn't understand why everyone else didn't think the same way I thought when they watched it. So that's that's the benefit of having this conversation. Yeah, and you helped explain the end for me, so that that was a positive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate.